team uh, going to uh, where you led them to go and, and, and heeding that call. Father, I pray so much for, uh, for their efforts. I pray uh, for uh, their, their lives, their hearts uh, to change uh, culture in that area in a big way. Uh, Father, we know that your, your uh, word needs to be heard. Um, your love needs to be felt. And Father, I thank you so much for doing it through John and this team. And I pray uh, that they all uh, get back here uh, to northern Kentucky safely. Father, we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I shared a thought with you. And that thought was this. Nourishing our inside culture must precede our outside influence. I'm going to say that again. Nourishing our inside culture must precede our outside influence. And today... I want to focus on our inside culture. I want to continue our discussion on vision, but I want to look at Nicholson Christian Church and our future. But to really understand where we're headed and why, I have to share with you some perspective. I actually contemplated just sort of throwing it out, hey Rob, come up here, but I decided not to do that to him. Uh, About a year ago, year and a half ago, uh, Rob was uh, approached to create a team that would help to sort of revise and restructure uh, some signage, some graphics, some vision, big ideas for Nicholson, all right? Um, I sat on that team along with uh, some others, and we had uh, some great discussion. We did some work that, um, I I love statistics, I love numbers, but we looked into uh, demographic information within Kenton County and found staggering information about what we consider to be the nuns. Many of you have heard us use that phrase before. The nuns, meaning they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. They don't consider themselves atheist. They don't consider themselves uh, to be Christian or uh, Muslim or Buddhist or anything else. They just consider them to be themselves to be nothing. They're nuns. And we learned staggering statistics, like something upwards in Kenton County alone, something upwards of 85 to 86 percent of Kenton County consider themselves to be nuns. So we, we spent a lot of time, we spent a lot of time researching, you know, how do we reach this current generation? What do we find? And we learned a lot of information about um, the, the millennials, the Gen Zs, those, those generations about what they're looking for. And what we found is that meaning is a big word and a big important factor for deciding to go along with things, to deciding to, to try things out, to decide to, to embrace an idea. And it's, it's not, many of us in the room would say, oh, you mean purpose. Well, no, purpose is actually the other side of the coin for them. Many of them were raised in Christian households where uh, their families spent a lot of time studying something called the purpose-driven life. And so actually that has given a negative connotation. The word purpose actually gives a negative idea, a negative impact. So meaning seems to resonate. It seems to resonate. And we spent a lot of time. And then when we knew transition was ahead of us, we made the decision to sort of put the brakes on. And one day I was convicted. I called Rob. This is before any decision had been made about the future of Nicholson. I called Rob. I said, man, we cannot wait. Even if if it turns out that I'm not the guy, I'm not the one that steps into the senior minister role, we can't sit across from someone at Nicholson and say to that person, we got nothing, what do you got? 
Because frankly, we have been looking at a mission and a vision and, and big ideas for a number of years, but have we been really carrying those out? I'm not 100% sure that anybody would agree, that everybody would wholeheartedly agree and say, yeah, we've been, we've been helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus, and we've been inspiring the next generation. You know, we've been working at it, but I'm not sure we've been working through it. And so I talked to Rob, and, and we got back together, and we put pen to paper, and that, take all that we had found, and, and we prayed over, and we worked toward a new vision, a new path forward. This was given to us by God. It's a renewed, a revised mission, a direction. God would have take us. God would take us and lead us. This was initiated. It, it's, it's in today's culture, and I guess you could say, for those of you that know this term, I guess you could say we were woke, all right? Now, how many of you have heard that term, woke, okay? So here's the thing. In today's, in today's culture, all right, I want to talk to you about woke because it may be a new concept for some of you. In today's culture, you've probably heard this relayed to us through social or uh, racial connotations, all right? But I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about the big overarching idea that is woke. To be woke means that you suddenly see things the way somebody tells you that they are. So it's not a new idea. They've been telling you that things are this way, but you suddenly see them now that they've been telling you. It suddenly is clear to you. Everybody is getting woke these days. It almost sounds cliche to say it. You may have a moment in your life where you could consider yourself woke to something, a moment where everything becomes clear. Suddenly, your whole outlook on life changed. Has this ever happened to you? For me, I've shared this before. I went on an Emmaus walk, right? It's a retreat. It's a spiritual retreat that uh, goes over the, a few days. You're not allowed to take phones. You're not allowed to take watches. You're not allowed to anticipate anything. You're just sort of thrown into this strange environment and expected just not to anticipate, all right? Very hard, all right? Very hard. But one of the talks Somebody got up, the spiritual director got up, and I had been feeling the Lord moving, right? And the spiritual director got up and he stopped. He said, while we were in the prayer room just a few minutes ago, the Lord told me to say in this room, you can run, but you can't hide. Well, I immediately grabbed a piece of paper in the middle of the table to write down. There's, there's a place where you could ask for uh, some personal uh, discussion. I wrote down, I need to talk to you, right? So I went and I talked to the spiritual director of the, of the retreat, and I said, I feel the Lord calling me into ministry. I mean, he, in that retreat, tried to talk me out of it, right? Tried to talk me out of it, saying, man, it's hard. It's, it's a life that you, you may not know what you're getting into. It's tough. I'm not kidding you. I left that retreat. We, I was so on fire for the Lord. I sat down with Michelle. I sat across from her at Bob Evans. I told her this. I told her everything. I felt the call into full-time ministry. I know this is strange. I know this is big. She looked at me and looked across the table and said, No. She said, I did not marry a pastor. I, I am not going to be a pastor's wife. That is not in my vocabulary. So I did not think God called me to have a divorce. So I rethought that. But what you can't do is you can't squelch God's call. And what we found over time is I got to see the Lord work in her heart. She went on her own Emmaus walk. She's become the most incredible partner uh, in ministry because of this. But that was a moment in my life when I can think, you know what, I woke up. I was woke to God's call on my life. Do you remember back to the, the first week of this vision series? I shared that Jesus laid out our vision for us in the book of Mark. He, he laid out His vision throughout the book of Mark. 
And one of the tools he used to carry out his vision was a map. Now, my map began to look more like this when I felt that I was woke, that Jesus is my center, the Bible was my guide, the church is my team, the lost are the mission, serving grace and love would mark my character, and walking toward the ugly, toward the mess, is what I would do. I wonder, has this happened to you? Have you ever had an encounter with Jesus that literally changed everything, changed the entire map of your life? Let's talk today about your map, why you do what you do, and and where you see your life going, where Jesus fits into all of this, or maybe the idea of getting woke to Jesus. To do this and and to discuss where Nicholson's headed, I want to look at a key moment for a disciple of Jesus, the moment when Peter got woke to Jesus. Jesus is about to ask some questions and create an entirely new map for His disciples, especially Peter. If you have Bibles with you today, we're going to look at Matthew 16. We're going to spend most of the morning here in Matthew 16, and we're going to walk through verses 13 to 19. So if you want to go there now, again, if you don't have them with you, it's on the back of your program. It's going to be behind me on the screen. Let's take a look at God's Word. This is verses Uh, This is verses 13 and 14. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, other Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, there are a couple of things I want us to carry over to the end of the message today about what we learn about the church The first thing is this, the church is the community of people who know Jesus intimately. The church is the community of people who know Jesus intimately. In verse 13, when Jesus asks who the people say the Son of Man is, He's really saying, what does the rest of the world say about me? Or even further, who is the world trying to tell you that I am? The answer suggests the world didn't know what to do with Jesus. They didn't know what to think about Jesus. They didn't know how He fit in. But they made assumptions, right? The world suggested that He was John the Baptist, that He was Elijah, that He was Jeremiah, or He was one of the prophets back from the dead, or or perhaps a new prophet. No one, though, no one is saying He's Jesus the Messiah. Sure, sure, He's a good man, He's a godly man, but not God Himself. Things haven't changed much, have they? I know that we live in a world where there are a thousand voices speaking to us, talking to you every day, trying to shape you, trying to define you, trying to tell you what is beautiful, trying to tell you what is maybe right or wrong, or what to believe and not to believe, telling you what sins to accept and which ones to condone, or what people to love and which people to condemn, trying to capture your mind politically, trying to tell you who you should follow, who you should not follow how to raise your kids, how to spend your money, how to think, who you should vote for. And on top of that are all the opinions of people, your friends, your family, professors, teachers, all giving you opinions about Jesus and religion when some of them are so distant from Him. Maybe the main message of the world about Jesus is that Jesus was someone, but He wasn't everyone. He was something, but He's not everything. 
He's a historical figure, but don't go overboard and follow him or anything. See, what we can take away from this is we are of the world. We live in a Genesis 3 world, and whether we want to admit it or not, we are all in some way distant from God. That's why we revise the mission. That's why instead of making the mission an externally focused thought, we wanted us all to consider it internally. Helping those distant from God. That's everyone. That's everyone. Helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus, but just changing the idea to helping those distant from God. You know, there is only one seat on the right hand of the Father, and it's not reserved for you. We are all distant from God in some way. But now, Jesus, if we look further into this passage, Jesus looks and asks a very important question. He gets to the heart. He gets to the mission. Look at the verse 15. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Jesus is essentially confronting all of his disciples with the same question. The you here is plural. And frankly, it's intended for us as well. How do you answer this question? Who do you say Jesus is? This is the other idea I want you to take away today about the church. The church is also the community of people who proclaim Jesus confidently. We're also the community of people who proclaim Jesus confidently. Is he a casual acquaintance that you connect with from time to time? Maybe you're a fan of Jesus, but you're not a follower. Maybe you're in the category of Christian atheist. Have you ever heard that phrase before? You know all the right answers about who Jesus is, but you really have no intention of ever doing anything He says unless it's convenient. Is He someone to you, or is He everyone? Is He something in your life, or is He everything? Really stopping to evaluate this question is a great way to nurture our inside culture, to determine where you are with Jesus. Look look forward at verse 16. See, Peter becomes the spokesperson for the disciples. He becomes their voice. Peter, whether he knows it or not, he is about to find meaning through Jesus. Look at, chat, look at verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This moment is full of meaning. There is so much theological discussion that we can have on just that passage alone, because this is really the first time that we hear the disciples confess publicly, confess out loud who Jesus is. Peter, it almost reads that that he speaks without taking too much time to think about it, that he just blurts it out. But here he defines it. You might say that in this moment, Peter is woke to Jesus. He's never seen anybody like Jesus. He's never heard anybody like Jesus. He's never been around anybody like Jesus. He has seen Jesus bring heaven to earth. He's seen Jesus open floodgates of knowledge. He's seen Jesus open the doors to grace. He has watched Jesus heal, deliver, rescue, lift, restore, all with a measure of grace and love never seen before. Peter has seen the lost found. He has seen the 5,000 fed. He has seen the storms calmed. He has seen false religion rebuked. He has seen the sinking saved. Peter is woke. Peter confesses, you are him. You are the Son of God. You are the Christ. You are not just a teacher. You are not just a new voice. You are not just an option. 
but you are the one that everyone's been waiting for. You are everyone. You are everything. This is the defining moment of Peter's life. Peter finds meaning, and this changes everything. And this is why this has to be our mission, to lead everyone to find meaning through Jesus. This is why we help those distant from God find meaning through Jesus. You see, you will have a will for your life, and God has a will for your life. Which do you surrender to? You will have a direction for your life, and God has a direction for your life. Which do you surrender to? You have desires in your life, and God has desires for your life. Which will you surrender to? You have plans, and God has His plans. Which will you surrender to? You have plans for your money, and God has plans for your money. Which will you surrender to? You have your thoughts about relationships, and God has distinctives about relationships and directives about relationships. Which will you surrender to? You see, this right here in verse 16, that is Peter's aha moment. This changes everything, and Peter surrenders. Jesus will now be his center. The Bible will be his guide. The church will be his team. The lost will be the mission. Serving grace and love will be his character. And walking toward the mess is what he will do. He has a new map. You see, woke people are surrendered people. Woke people are obedient people. Woke people are Jesus freaks. We sing that song upstairs, Jesus freak. Woke people are Jesus freaks. Woke people have not abandoned the church. Woke people say, here I am, Lord, use me. When you are woke, Jesus becomes your center. The Bible becomes your guide. The church will be your team. The lost will be the mission. Grace, love, and serving will mark your character, and walking toward the mess to fix what is broken will be what you do. Helping those distant from God find meaning through Jesus will be your mission. Can I share some truth with you this morning? I want you to hear this, and I hope you know, I hope you know this, but you can't really hide what you believe about Jesus. For the most part, those closest to you already know the answer to the question, who do you say I am for your life? Here's a little reality check. Look at James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. We aren't fooling anyone, church. Many want heaven later, but they don't want to follow now. Many want His grace, but they don't want to be bothered by following Him. Many want blessings, but they will not bleed for Jesus. Many want to receive, but will never give. I mean, do you really think the world around us doesn't notice? So how does Jesus respond? How does He respond to Peter's message and Peter's moment of confession? Well, Jesus gives a name 
to this, for the first time in Scripture, we have the mention of the word church. And it comes from the mouth of Jesus Himself. Look at verses 17 to 19 back in Matthew 16. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. That means we can't do it by ourselves. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Now, there has been a lot of debate about what is the foundation of the church. Is it Peter? Is it Jesus? Is it the gospel? Here's the thing. I'm going to make it as simple as I can. Jesus immediately announces that he will build the church on this rock after Peter confesses his faith. Based on this context, we should understand the rock of the church as the people, as the people of God confessing and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Peter is the first apostle who makes this declaration, and he is the apostle, he's the apostle that much of the church's foundation would be built on, especially if you look forward in Acts chapter 2. Peter now had a new map. Peter not only woke to Jesus, but he woke to a whole new life. Jesus is not in the business of letting your past get in the way of his plan. We talked about that last week. Jesus burned a ship here for Peter by calling him Peter, which literally means rock. When you are woke, Jesus will be your center, the Bible will be your guide, the church will be your team, the lost will be your mission, grace, love, and serving will mark your character, and walking toward the mess to fix what is broken will be what you do. You see, your mission becomes helping those distant from God find meaning through Jesus, and through that, through nourishing our internal culture, we can carry out a vision through our outside influence. Through that, we can see that those living meaningful lives change the world. That is what it is all about. And I am here to tell you that it is not easy. In all the beauty that has been Peter's moment of meaning today, literally four verses later in chapter 16, Peter doubts and questions Jesus. Look, uh, look here at, look in, chat, look in verse 22 and 23. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, that will never happen to you. This is in, regard, in regards to uh, uh, Jesus has just told him that he is going to be executed. Jesus turned and told Peter, listen to this, he just called this man the church. Listen to this. Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. But if today has not been enough of a plea for your life to have vision, for you to have meaning, for Nicholson Christian Church to get on a new path and a new vision, and for you to get woke to Jesus, look at what Jesus says next. Look at verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. 
What cross are you carrying this morning? You know what? Maybe you say, I'm not at all. I'm not at all. Well, Jesus tells us that it's time to pick up the cross, carry it, and lose ourselves for Him. These are what these core values help us carry out. You see, helping those distant from God find meaning through Jesus is a great idea. It's a great mission. And through that, we learn that people living meaningful lives can change the world. But without ministry and without evangelism and without worship, without these core values, without changing ourselves, without focusing on an internal culture, we can't have outside influence. So what cross this morning do you need to pick up? In just a second, we're going to come to the table and we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. There are tables here in the front and there are tables in the back. But I mentioned early on that the church is a group of people that are intimately connected to Jesus. Ask yourself today if you're intimately connected to Jesus. And to be intimately connected, there's got to be a cross. There's got to be that cross, but there's also got to be the cross that you're carrying. So as you come today, think about what kind of what cross you can carry. What can you take to get rid of you? To get you out of the way? Because as we see, Jesus has no business in what's holding us back. Let Jesus change your name this morning. Let him save your life. If you're here today and you say, I need Jesus in my life, I want to talk to you about what that means. If you're here today and you, you accepted Jesus, but you've said, and you've put it off a long time, you said, nah, I, I, I'll, I'll get baptized when my family's here. I'll, get, I'll do this. I'll, I'll save it for this day. Today is your day. Come see me up front. We can open the curtain. You inconvenience no one by coming forward to be baptized in the Lord. What are you waiting for? If you just have questions, if you just need prayer, I'm going to be right here. I'd love to talk to you this morning. Let's stand together. Let's go before the Lord. Let him bless this time of communion. You can come to either table in the front or the back, whatever you're closest to, and take it on your own time. Return to your seat. Spend time with the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you so much for the example that you set here. And Father, I just, I lift up this room. I know there are hearts here that are aching for more of you in them. And you know, they probably think to themselves, there isn't enough room. I, I, I have so much. But the thing about you is you tend to enter into our hearts and take up so much room that all of a sudden our priorities can align. Our life can find balance. Our life can find meaning. And Father, I know there are hearts in this room that are yearning for that today. Father, bless this time of communion. Be with these hearts as they come. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.